Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. You know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes. You look like a rube, listeners. A well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition has given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor white trash, are you, listeners? And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed, pure West Virginia. What's your father, dear? Is he a coal miner? Does he stink of the lamp? You know how quickly those boys found you all those tedious, sticky fumblings in the back seats of cars while you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the FBI. It's silence of the lambs on normies like us. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. Can I speak with you? I'm offering you a psychological profile of Buffalo Bill. Quick pro quo. I tell you things you tell me. Not about this case, though. Yes or no? Yes or no, Clarice? Poor little Catherine is waiting. You heard it up top. Spooky season continues with another episode and a very special one at that. What we recommend you listen to this one with a nice Chianti and some fava beans. Because that's right, we're talking about Hannibal the Cannibal himself. And the silence of the lambs here on Normies Like Us with your hosts, uh, Buffalo Brooksy. Um, Mikeable Lecter? <laughs> Damn. Sorry. I was going to be Dr. Mm. Jacob Lecter. Hello, mm. Normies. I guess it could be uh, Mike Reese if we want to do that then. I'll yes be or no. uh, Jacob Gum. <laughs> Fair enough. And no, all the other people's names I don't know. Like the uh, other FBI randos, but oh, Jack Crawford, Doctor Mike Chilton, yeah, Doctor Mike Crawford, or Mike Crawford, head of the FBI, Jack Crawford. I'll just be a death Mike's yeah. moth. How's that? Sure. Oh, yeah. there we go. It's even scarier. <laughs> Crazy. And Jacob, uh, of course, Doctor Hannibal Jacob here, who just did that uh, incredible monologue. I'm shocked you could do it with that muzzle over your face the entire time and uh, enunciate that well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was pretty difficult, but when you're just locked in a cell all day with nothing else to do. <laughs> uh, those beautiful paintings behind you, too. All from memory, you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I believe when you don't have a window, memory's all you have, right? That's, so, that's right. Yeah. That's um, right, Clarice. <laughs> and memories are all we have and uh, some great accents. And what I just know is going to be an episode full of some, some incredible voice performances because we're going to do some incredible characters featured in... Maybe the most lauded horror film of all time, right? We're, we're in the spooky season. We do our horror episodes here. Came up to my choice. Uh, you guys got to do yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we took a little break and, of course, covered our boy Mikey Myers's uh, demise. And now we are back with Silence of the Lambs, uh, something I'm very excited to talk about. I always get a little nervous when we do super good movies on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I know we always kind of do like franchises and stuff that a lot of people see but when we do films that it's like everybody has had an opinion on this film it is kind of of course hard to mine more but i couldn't be more excited to hear you guys talk about this film and 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 just to give your histories real quick of uh where are you with thomas harris's hannibal the cannibal lector character um Mm. not even have you guys seen this movie in the past yet we'll we'll talk about silence of the lambs uh here in a bit but uh how familiar were you guys with this character 
Mm. Um, well, for me, you know, I've obviously this is I've seen this movie before. Uh, one of my favorites, and uh, but for this time, I actually watched every almost every Hannibal uh, appearance in a movie. Uh, I watched Manhunter, mm. uh, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, and Red Dragon. Did not watch Hannibal Rising, the prequel movie. Uh, I just didn't have time to get to it, but um, you know, I've been watching a lot of Hannibal the last couple of days. Had you seen any of those before? Like again, yes. like your I've seen all of them okay. except Manhunter before. So that was my first time watching Manhunter. Uh, but other than that, they're all rewatches. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk. Read about any of the Thomas Harris books? Anything like that? Have not read the books, uh, but just familiar with them through through the movies. Of okay, course. Mike, yeah. uh, what is your taste for flesh here? Yeah, well, um, shocking reveal here, but I've never seen this movie. Oh, and, my uh, God. Wow. I had only seen maybe 10 or so episodes of the Mads Mikkelsen show. Just it was on Netflix. It kind of had wow. some buzz. I watched. I, I'm aware of the character through pop culture osmosis, sure. you know. Um, I knew I knew about fava beans and all that. But, right. um, yeah, excited to talk about it. But I didn't really know that much. You know, I knew about all the sequels, but just... Again, you said one of the most lauded horror films of all time, and I'm glad to be able to cover it for this. So I guess I'm coming from a fresh perspective. Yeah. Uh, but Colin, how about you? You know, it's um, well, you know, we don't do a lot of thrillers on this podcast either. So I guess that's important as a subgenre of horror for uh, our spooky season topics, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just history with this character. I feel like he was so ubiquitous. Mm. I feel like somehow. Even in like the pantheon of like when like Todd McFarlane would get the rights to like movie horror characters and stuff for his toys, he would be like, well, I got Freddy. I got Jason. Oh, I got Hannibal Lecter, of course. Like somehow he would sneak in there, right? Yeah, it's interesting to me because I don't think of this movie necessarily as a horror movie. I mean, I guess it is, but it's more like you said, it's a thriller and because it's like a you know an Oscar winning movie and stuff, I was like, you know, it's like a movie movie. But I guess it is yeah. a horror movie, yeah, yeah. In a way, like The Exorcist, where it's like our parents, just like the people a little bit above us, were like, "No, you don't understand. This thing changed everything." You're like, "No, I'm pretty sure it's just like a really good movie." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and I'm surprised, Mike, that you've never seen it because this is yeah. like one of those movies, like The Godfather or something, where mm-hmm. obviously there's people who haven't seen The Godfather, but you kind of just assume everyone knows it through, like you said, pop culture osmosis yeah. and everything. Yeah, I've never seen The Godfather either. I'm not I, kidding. I, 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 I've seen <laughs> wow, that. Wow. But um, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting because I've claimed on Halloween uh, ends episode last week. Um, yeah, 85% of horror movies are mid. And as a genre, mm. it's not excellent, but. This is excellent. I'm going to bury my lead. Like, there's a reason it's as lauded yeah. as it is. And it's it's cool to talk about something that kind of transcends and is in the upper echelon of a horror thriller that uh, does stand up against, like, all the other heavy hitters in cinema history, you know? So, very, very cool. Totally. Mm-hmm. And let me just I'll, say, when I, when I watched this when I was younger, a lot of it went over my head. And yes. uh, just this past rewatch, I caught a lot of stuff that I never really... Because I probably haven't seen this movie since at least my teens 
And uh, so just a lot of stuff that I never caught before that I found very interesting in this movie. I think uh, just to finish my history, the first time I saw it, I was probably like 10 Jacob, maybe at a sleepover. This was Mm -hmm. maybe a back to back R rental double feature night with Freddie got fingered. Interestingly enough, (laughs) to really double feature the the 2000s. Yeah. uh, Awards darlings. The 90s. Um, Both Oscar winners, right? (laughs) (laughs) Directed by geniuses. Mm -hmm. Right. it maybe wasn't until this viewing and I watch this film maybe annually for like the past 10 years because I, I just truly think it's a masterpiece and we'll get into the history of it and mm-hmm. what, what we love about it specifically um, that I kind of for the first time got were like, oh, the whole deal was fake. Like this was like my first feeling of like, oh, like Jack Crawford was like pulling a gambit that I like have never understood before. But again, we'll we'll get yeah. into it here. Yep. yep. Um I'm incredibly excited to get first reactions here. So, normies, let's uh, let's hit it. Let's go to our padded cell here and lock you up because you are dangerous. You are Hannibal the Cannibal. We're here talking about it here. Silence of the Lambs on normies like us. Um, we're back. We're here talking the silence of the lambs here on normies like us, uh, an incredible film, the 1991 classic that won best picture, best screenplay, best director, best actress. And I was shocked because watching it, I'm always like, and of course this is one of the best supporting actor performances of all time. No, no, no. Lead actor, best lead actor performance by yeah. uh, Anthony Hopkins for, and Hannibal that was uh, hmm. a controversial decision at the time, I believe, because he he has like I think eight minutes of screen time in this whole movie, which is insane. So whether or not he's really a, a lead actor in this, I would say I don't know. But. I think the film itself might have some commentary related to you know that. Let's right. say uh, bias. Uh, I think yeah, it's somewhere between like you know ten and. It's under 20 minutes, so yeah, I saw 16, mm. but I don't know the exact figure. But he's not, it's it's like, a, you know, an hour 40, an hour 50 or whatever, and he's only in it for less than 20, let's say maximum, so. Yeah. I say supporting, but still, it is, like Colin alluded to, it, like one of the, well, it's the only horror film to win Best Picture um, ever. Um, so there's mm. that. So Is it? Hell yeah. I believe so. Well, well I guess we got to get out now with was nominated. That's right. right. Best picture, I mean, is what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Well, before we start with Signs of Lambs, could I just give my brief uh, summation of of all the other Hannibal movies that I watched? Oh, yes. Recently. Sure. So I watched Manhunter for the first time, which was the 1986 Michael Mann directed movie before Silence of the Lambs. Uh, And of course, that has Brian Cox as Hannibal instead of Anthony Hopkins. Uh, so that's that's you know Will Graham, he screams, which is he screams "fuck you," uh, <laughs> get get me the succession or whatever his right. famous line is from Succession. That's right, get me the succession. <laughs> get me the succession. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting. It's a very it's a different take on on Hannibal, uh, and of course that story was that that movie is based on the book Red Dragon, which was the first book in the Hannibal series, uh, which would later be adapted again by Brett Ratner, right for Red Dragon. So. It's interesting to see, 
because I had never seen Manhunter. So it was, it was a different take on the whole Hannibal story. And now that Red Dragon story has been adapted three times because they also adapted it in the TV show. Mm, yes. Uh, but that movie is really good, too. So I would definitely recommend it. I mean, it's low budget. Uh, it's early Michael Mann, right? So it doesn't have a huge budget, but super 80s like style. Like the colors are amazing. The score is like one of the best scores ever. Uh, Andrew and Dream, baby. Yeah, it's just pure 80s, you know, synth and everything. Like, it's amazing. I, I really liked it. Uh, and then, of course, I watched Science of the Lambs. Then I watched Hannibal, the sequel uh, directed by Ridley Scott. Hmm. Not so good. Not so good. Hmm. Uh, you know, Jodie Foster didn't come back. So they had Julianne Moore playing Clarice. Uh, not great. And then Red like Dragon, her. like I mentioned, uh, directed by Brett Ratner. Uh, the second adaptation of that Your story. hero you were telling us off podcast? <laughs> yeah, right? well, let's see. Michael Mann, <laughs> Jonathan Demme, Ridley Scott, Brett Ratner. Mm, what's another great director? Yeah. <laughs> All mm-hmm. equal. X-Men 3 fame. Right <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I thought, you know, really you have not watch seen the um, strange Rising? prequel movie, The Rising. No, I wanted to watch that last, but I didn't get to it. Mm. And uh, I might watch it tonight, actually. But mm. and I might watch the show after this now that I'm in the Hannibal zone. Well, yeah. I recommend I I have Mike had mentioned that he had seen like 10 of those before mm-hmm. and then texted us off. Pod. I was like, oh, that's right. Yes, that there was that show. I have seen before the two episodes that they do of the Red Dragon story because Mike, the guy who plays uh, mm, Dollahide, yeah. the Thorin. Ray Fiennes killer, it's right. our fucking boy Thorin Oakenshield, oh, Richard yeah. Armitage. Richard Armitage. Jacob, what if the book wasn't called Red Dragon? What if it was called Smog the Dragon? <laughs> Think nice. about it. Think about it. He is a red dragon, to be fair. You know. Oh, so. is he? Smog is red. Like a gold dragon. Yeah, no, Smog no, red. red. Yeah, yeah. I've he's already red. forgotten yeah. what color. They he cover is. him in gold. You know. Mm, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Melted sure, gold. Sure, so. sure. Uh, Rat um, dragon is what you call it because of Brett Ratner. But anyway. Yeah. Well, watching Red Dragon again, which I had Michael seen before Manhunter. too. Right. Um, I had never Michael seen Manner, but I had seen Red Dragon, and then when I watched yeah. Red Dragon again, I was like, "Wait, this is the same story as Manhunter, and it's not as good to me, anyway." Yeah. It's fine. I mean, it has it has Anthony Hopkins in it. Uh, you know, Edward Norton as Will Graham. Uh, you know, not bad. But obviously, yes. the best the best movie to me of all of them, obviously, is Silence of the Lambs. Uh, yeah, this is the big one to talk about. It's it's you know the one we chose. I, I fall into the same trap, Jacob, every time when I watch one of these that I will continue in the Hannibal verse. Have you has where I'm like, who cares? Rush Hour is good. I'll watch Red Dragon. And then you watch it and like Edward Norton is so desperate to be on the same level as Anthony Hopkins that it's just like this movie fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Ray Fiennes is like, OK, as, as yeah, Francis yeah. Dollarhide, but yeah, it can't compare to the Tom to Noonan. Yeah. Tom no. Noonan. It's just another level. Manhunter. It's another thing. So but let's we'll let's talk about that now to include our right. history to build up the Sons of the Lambs. So Manhunter happens, Jacob. That is a Dino De Laurentiis movie. We have talked about so many Dino De Laurentiis movies on this podcast because we are children of the 80s and 90s where this like dirty Italian asshole would just like buy up things, make them, sell them off. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. We love it. Yeah. And Thomas Harris novels were popular beach reads. He he Mm. was sort of this pulp writer who was a recluse who would not give interviews and just release these crazy stories that, again, Mike – 
back to our Texas Chainsaw, mm-hmm. were inspired by Ed Gein and Dahmer and all these kind of you right. know popular serial killers. And he's like, oh, you know, of course, like um, the, the the criminal profiling is something that has not been really put forth into media yet. Mm-hmm. Mind Hunter, the popular Netflix series, Seen is that. based on a real book called Mind Hunter by the the guy who's in that in that show, yeah. right? Who who, who, who makes the series the idea of serial like there wasn't yes. a word for criminal profiling yeah. for for mm-hmm. people to go wait a minute this keeps happening <laughs> like this like right. pattern killers yeah there but but even just like it's interesting that there are more than just these one off kills that human beings kill each other in ways that aren't just accidents that even if they are in different ways it's like why is there something wrong in our brains that makes us just go crazy and what does so. that yeah. look like? Mm-hmm, and right. they started to interview these people, the ones that they could catch that were alive, which was very important, right? Um, and figured out patterns. And and Jodie Foster talks about them in this movie that we're eventually going to get to. I'm going to give mm-hmm. this very long-winded speech leading up to how we get the movie that we get. But um, they invent criminal profiling, which is like killing in the same demographic, age group, you know, that sort of stuff. And it's becomes a science i mean it's it's one of these yeah. things where it's like well, okay we'll start solving crimes that way and everybody's like oh my god like that's like wild it's right uh, hollywood catches wind that is kind of like yo that's a great idea so a lot of pulp stuff starts popping up like manhunter which mm. jacob in my list of hannibal the cannibal movies I have number one Mantunder, number two Sons of the Lambs. Mm. I like Michael Mann more um, as a director, but Silence of the Lambs is a perfect movie. Manhunter is this like dirty, gritty, one of a kind like pizza that you eat and you throw up afterwards and you're like, I got to have that pizza again. Like it's so and that's why that's number one. Right. Yeah. Well, they're very different movies. I think the way they're shot, the way, you know, everything about them, they're very different, but they're both excellent, I think. And those are, you know, by far the best Hannibal movies. Hmm. Dino De Laurentiis had released a movie prior to uh, the making of Manhunter called something dragon and it was a martial arts movie and it bombed and he was mm-hmm. like dragon movies don't oh work. that makes so a lot we're of sense. gonna call this man man hunter he <laughs> was like okay uh and they sense. release it and it kind of bombs it's it's now a very well-loved movie but it kind of does nothing thomas harris uh his novel writes go into limbo and they just kind of get away but dino de Laurentiis sort of holds on to them and he ends up brokering a deal with Gene Hackman who hmm. purchases the rights to make Silence of the Lambs. He wants to star in and direct it. Meanwhile, a young woman in Hollywood, Jodie Foster, who is a very famous young star who grew up and was a little girl who did copper tone ads before becoming a young girl celebrity teen beat stuff before shaking free of that by doing Martin Scorsese's taxi driver and mm-hmm. everybody being like, this is a real deal, serious actress, right? right? In a modern context, it's something like 11, right? Who's probably trying to do something similar now, right? Right. Um, she sets her eye out and says, Jesus Christ, 
I want to make and direct a movie. I'm a young woman. Who cares? I want to direct a movie. I want to buy the rights to Silence of the Lambs. And she begs Gene Hackman for it because he's never going to do anything with it. Mm -hmm. And he basically says, I'm not going to sell it to you because a woman couldn't make this movie. And he sells it to Orion Pictures. And Orion Pictures gets the stake, but still has Dino De Laurentiis on as a producer, right? Mm -hmm. They have a deal with Jonathan Demme. Jacob, you probably know Jonathan Demme more than I do because you're a hip, cool guy who knows music stuff. Like he sure. was just like a cool guy, right, for music and shit. Yeah, he made one of the the greatest uh, live band, uh, I guess, concert movies ever made, which is Stop Making Sense, The Talking Heads. Uh, hmm. Yeah, he's made a lot of different uh, kind of movies, kind of varied director for sure. He, he starts, he does that, revolutionizes the music world, basically makes music videos and concert films what they are today, and right. then goes, I'll just start making comedies. So he makes like low budget Roger Corman films before getting a deal with Orion Pictures, and he makes, um, Oh, what's it called? Drive Me Crazy or Crazy Drew? I can't remember what it's called with Melanie Griffith and Jeff Daniels and Married to the Mob, which mm. uh, gets an Oscar performance uh, nomination, right? For, um, oh, goddamn, what is her goddamn name? Catwoman. Who's Catwoman? Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, Michelle yes. Pfeiffer. Thank you. Right. So she's up for Best Actress. Right. And he has a third picture deal. And Orion has the rights to Sons of the Lambs. And he's like, oh, you know what? I would love to not make a comedy. I will make this, you know, serious movie and it's great. Jodie Foster catches wind of this and is like, can I have a meeting with you? He's like, oh, absolutely. She sits down and goes, you have to listen to me. All I want to do is make this movie. You're going to direct that. I understand it. But you have to listen to me what this movie is about. This is not a movie about a serial killer. This is not a movie about a police procedural. It's not a thriller. It's not a drama. It's not all these things. This is a movie about what it's like to be a woman in the workplace. This is what it's like for a woman to face misogyny. Mm -hmm. It is what it's like to have to smile every day and work harder than your male colleagues, to put on a face through scary times, be tough, and stay true to yourself. And Jonathan Demme's response is, well, it is now. (laughs) Like He's like, (laughs) oh. And he is immediately sold to her because – his greatest strength as a director is his empathy. He's a guy who, to jump forward to the future, the fallout of this film, because there is a quote-unquote transgender character in this movie, although there's not, or there is, there's kind of a conflicting report of that. Right. Right. <clears throat> the gay community was so kind of hurt by this film, and he is such an empathetic man that he got wind of that, truly cried, like was so yeah. hurt and wounded and said – I can do better. I will devote my blank check, my next movie, the the cachet I have by winning best director, best film Mm -hmm. to make Philadelphia, which is the film he makes after this, which is the first film that acknowledges gay people and AIDS and and like all that stuff. So all that to say coming into this, you, you have all this and you need to fill in the last piece. And in Hollywood, there is this guy who stars in B-movies named Tony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. He's a Welsh actor, but he speaks with an American accent in all of his films. And he does B-horror stuff like Magic, 
which is about a talking puppet who slasher kills people. If you guys haven't seen it. No. And he he's, he's old. I mean, he's in his forties and he starts to kind of get recognition when he's doing like proper dramas and he's done stage stuff and he gets a shot in this basically. Right. Hmm. Uh, and I mean, it just, again, to talk about the future, this guy will get to be Zorro and have like an action movie career because he becomes a bankable movie star in his 40s by eight minutes of screen time, as Jacob said. So right. all that to set up the movie that we want to talk about, which, again, is the most, quote unquote, lauded horror movie of all time, a suspense thriller called The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, uh, I just want to know, Mike. First reactions. What did you think, man? I love this movie. It's absolutely incredible. And it's all the things you said it is. It's not really about a serial killer. It's about all that stuff that Jodie Foster is bringing up. And I think. Right. That's it. It lands it like it's pretty great. And like it is horror. Like there's moments that you're scared and stuff, but it's not like what we've been going through with Halloween or Texas Chainsaw. There's not really any hardly any sequences of gore or anything like that. It's more psychological and it's really effective when it's doing that stuff. So I'm impressed with this thing like crazy. It's shot incredibly all around, just like 10 out of 10. I love Very suspenseful. Mm -hmm. A woman uh, rolls under a garage door and that's about the moment where you're like, ooh, like the most, right? right? (laughs) Yeah, you see the head in the jar. And I would say, yeah, there's not really gore in this. You know, the sequel Hannibal would lean more into the gore, which... uh, for the better or for worse, but, um, what I found action sequence. Yeah. Yeah. But Colin, what you were talking about with, with Jodie Foster, that's what really struck me on this rewatch is the, the amount of shit that she has to put up with from being a woman in a high profile job, competent job, just trying to do her job. And like, you know, she gets hit on by Dr. Chilton, the, the head of the, the prison and everything. And it's just like, man, you know, and, and, you know, this was in the 90s and, and you know, I'm sure things are a little better now, but it's just like crazy no. how and, and when I was younger, this kind of flew over my head and I didn't kind of realize that subtext to it. But uh, it really struck me this time watching it. Yeah. Dr. Chilton flirts with her, obviously. Uh, yeah, other bug guys the do too. But go ahead. <laughs> he says right. the comment, um, you know, you're Hannibal's taste. Just, you know, like in more ways than one or, you know, whatever cheeky pun he gives. Obviously, that is Scott Glenn's Jack Crawford's FBI heads gambit. I'll send a beautiful woman. Maybe she can get more information as well. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, Jacob, the comment that Dr. Chilton gives when he turns down her offer to come with him to the interview of, well, you could have told me and saved the time. And she has to say, but I would have missed out on your company. A woman has to be polite, Jacob. Yeah, A woman has to at all times... To a man who could kill her at any moment, any man, a woman has to know in every circumstance can kill you at any moment. We never have to be polite to anybody. I never in my life have to acknowledge to a guy who's being a jerk to me any kindness back. I can kind of just treat him that way. (laughs) Yeah, it's something you don't think about as a man because you don't have that perspective. And it is interesting that Jonathan Demme, like you said, such an empathetic filmmaker, he was able to make this, you know, this feminist film as a man, but I'm sure, you know, Jodie Foster had a lot of input on, on her character and everything, but Mm -hmm. man, it's a good movie. It's great. Yeah. And, and, you know, like Jacob said, we're all a little bit out of pocket, you know, because we haven't (laughs) experienced this one-to-one, but, you know, anecdotal stories and, you know, friends' experiences, right, even in the modern world, where, you know, it's not quite even Mm -hmm. equal now. And in the 90s, it's even 
probably more. And uh, the whole film is like about, yeah, a power dynamic between uh, men and women, like even Buffalo Bill and his victims. There's a yes. power dynamic there. And then her and the FBI chief and even Hannibal, it's, it's about this kind of balance uh, right. of between the, the two and where they're standing is, right? And with, with Buffalo Bill, you know, of course, you have the whole transgender discourse. And, and a lot of smarter people than me have written about this from a, a feminist lens and from an LGBT lens that mm -hmm. I could never really do justice. But, you know, is it problematic today? Maybe. But also they, you know, they do try to explain like, oh, he's not really transgender. He's, he's trying to be, but it's, you know, and it, obviously this was the early nineties, very different time for, for well, transgender early nineties, but using language and at least being more thoughtful than I would consider Ryan Murphy being today with the Jeffrey mm. Dahmer stuff. So it's yeah. just interesting that that discourse persists. Jacob. I think where uh, some of that comes to is it's one of the first times like a mass release movie that's super popular and Oscar buzz. Most people are exposed to kind of the idea of a transsexual person, even existing and but it's a kind of right. set up as a villain it's not like it's you know we, we've done a lot of stuff i think in society to kind of advance everybody's education acceptance of people and that's great but for the first kind of pop culture drop to be a villain even though the line is he's just always transforming and this is what he's on now like he's not really yeah. a transsexual and they, even have that says, line so. of, they have that line where they're like oh well transsexuals are are very passive and it's like well based on our profiling or that's kind of that's still you know, reductive yeah it's reductive, but it's, it, they were trying. You know, it was the early '90s, very different time, and I feel yes. like they were trying to a certain degree, whether or not it worked or not. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, general audience, you can't control the way the message is received, but I don't think the film is putting out that message of you know trans people being dangerous or whatever. And no. I think that's more right. the general audience reading into it. And I guess we leave it at that, uh, <laughs> unless you have anything to add to it. But you know, sign of the times. Yeah, no, I, yeah, again, I, I, I'm just kind of proud that it has any kind of discourse. And again, that Jonathan Demme had so much empathy that regardless of how it was received, he had a comment beyond it with his next film. Yeah. Um, but I say, like, kind of let's go beat for beat into this, guys. So, starts off with a young FBI trainee. That always kind of gets me right away, that she is not a, a member and associate of the FBI yet. She is still at school, right? And she is running the course in the greens. Um, I've seen this in Riverdale now, you know, when Betty goes to FBI school and she's a young woman on a case, it starts with her jogging, you know, with her friend on a cold morning. Oh, um, sure. Uh, yeah, what do you think? 40 other films from this point. Can I ask hmm. you guys, was this any of your parents' favorite films? I don't think so. I mean, I probably, I wasn't even allowed to watch this in, in front of my parents, you know, when mm. I was younger and probably rightfully so. It's not really a good movie for kids, but mm -mm. Um, I don't think I watched, I probably watched this without their knowledge when I was younger, but uh, didn't really understand it until I was a teenager. Right. I, I yeah, I, I would estimate, um, I probably have to ask my mother because she's really into the true crime genre. I'm sure she was someone and mm. it's not gory. She doesn't like gory stuff, but this has that psychological. But I, I need to have that conversation after, uh, which I will after this podcast and I'll report back on a watch it. But um, it, it is like just one of the most iconic movie posters of all time. Like I just remember seeing the poster and I, it's never left me. 
even though no. I didn't see it until now. It just, but yeah, I think and the that title older makes no generation. sense. It's got a butterfly on the cover, and you're like, "What is this?" Yeah, what is? But what this? I found a lot of symbolism. I hope this isn't lost in the new generation because I don't hear young women say it's their favorite now. But I have found mm-hmm. this is a mom favorite movie. This was one of my mom's favorite movies. Uh, and she wanted to be in the FBI when she was young. She she right. saw this and thought it was such a cool oh, workforce, wow. you know, positive movie and stuff. And I think I supposedly from the FBI's involvement with this film and how how much they put into and how much they loaned production and like mm-hmm. the procedures and all that stuff. And, oh, we'll show how you do it officially. I think they kind of saw this as their top gun. Like this was a huge hey. recruiting tool. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. It's it's yeah. My mom uh, does not like scary movies at all. So I don't know if she ever watched this, but I don't know if this movie today doesn't really get enough credit for being such a feminist movie. And you think about like Ripley and alien, like as such a, a yeah. strong female character, mm-hmm. like Clarice Starling, great character, man. She's the best not talked about enough these days, right? Yeah. This movie, no. yeah, I was, I was really pleased with kind of how progressive it was, you know, for 91 and like it holds up, I think, you know, with kind of the themes that it's dealing with and it, it's, it's just incredible. It's incredible. And I'm happy that it came out and had kind of the, accolades that it earned because it absolutely deserves them and you know i think they yeah. filmed at the fbi thing like you said this uh could have you know ramped up the recruiting you know same thing uh, yeah and a note on the the whole fbi thing too so scott glenn the guy that plays jack crawford he Best. uh i guess was in contact with some real like like people who do this job for real right in the fbi mm-hmm. and they're kind of telling him about the job stuff they gave him this tape which is about two serial killers in California, uh, like in the seventies who would like kidnap women and like torture and rape them. And they had, they did audio recordings at all. And they said, they gave him the audio recording. He listened to it. And he said, basically due to that, like he still has like nightmares about it. Like he didn't reprise his role in the Ridley Scott Hannibal movie because he was just like, I can't get back into that character. Like it messed him up basically for life, just listening to that tape. And uh, he's like, I can never do this job for real. I don't know how people do it, but Man, pretty dark stuff, right? Yeah, presenting the job of criminal profiler and like serial killer profiler. Like, yeah, how do you even one do that? And then to have this juxtaposition where Jodie Foster has to try to fit in in the boys club. And the only person who kind of accepts her as she is, is a serial killer and cannibal. Like the only person who has a genuine connection with her beyond like, you know, oh, you know, women can't do this job is Hannibal and it's wild. So when he, right. so when he later says to the one sort of this film, I guess would pass the Bechtel test because she talks to that person later about traveling in the FBI that, that waitress is like, mm-hmm. that, is that a cool job? But earlier she's talking to her, uh, kind of one other female cohort in the FBI. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And, uh, later says to her like, um, no, don't worry. Hannibal won't come after me. I don't know how to explain it, but he would find that to be rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing is that he it's hates like rude people and he prefers to yeah. eat rude people over yeah. non-rude people if he can. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so I appreciate good. that about him. But what yeah, so weird, he's very kind. Yeah, yeah. but for her to feel so isolated in, in the, the world kinship, she inhabits yeah. that the only place of you know a strange comfort is Hannibal what a, what an interesting setup and the relationship between the two drives this movie like and they yes. both yeah. crush it they both crush you know for sure and not to, not to talk about Manhunter and these other movies again too much but uh those you know in the the show 
the the FBI character is generally the character of Will Graham, who is right. obviously a man. Um, they kind of have the similar dynamic, but his whole thing is that he has like the the mind of a serial killer. Like he can see things from their perspective and understand why they do the things they do. Um, yeah, but like being, you know, doing this job, like it's not, you know, it's not for everyone, right? No, no. I certainly wouldn't and have the stomach for it. The point of the film will be how we discover who Clarice Starling is as a person and sort of what drives her to this job. But at first we see her, of course, mm-hmm. on this training course, Starling. She's called in to meet with the director of the FBI. Uh, we see her go in an elevator. Again, Mike, we're getting these shots of she's this tall. Men are, you know, out of frame, tall, surrounding yeah. her. They are huge. She is not in the same training outfit as them. She is in her sweats. Mm-hmm. You know, a woman is different. Like, it is getting hammered to us, right? She heads into Jack Crawford's office. Behind him is the movie, right? We yep. see on the pinup board Buffalo Bill, what he's about, what he does, his kill style, his victims. They don't spell it out for us yet. They tell, they say the name Buffalo Bill. We don't even know what that refers to yet. That that moniker, right? That we'll learn later. The, mm-hmm. the press sort of gave him in a uh, Buffalo Bill skinning uh, homage, correct? Yeah. Um, but it's all set uh, dressing. Jack Crawford, like yeah, it's there. Yeah. Right. Right. If you're perceptive, and, and again, you can get a lot more Jonathan information. Again, it's just Jonathan Demi. just a killer director who's like, we're just going to tell the story with every frame, right? Mm-hmm. And we get this little kickoff of. Uh, Jack Crawford is putting together just like you're a trainee. I have a special assignment for you. I've kind of lectured for you before. So we're aware of each other. She argues he gave her an A, A minus actually. Oh, okay. Whatever. Ha ha ha. Mm -hmm. She's a good person. They argued about ethics, right? That seems to be why he likes her. You're interesting. I want you to do a criminal profile. If you can get Dr. Lecter, a, it just so happens serial killer, and psychologist to put mm-hmm. together a profile on a serial killer we're looking for. And they drop the name here, uh, wild bill, Buffalo bill, Bu- mm-hmm. or Buffalo bill. Um, then that, that basically you're guaranteed to graduate, right? Okay, great. Right. She'll do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sets up our whole thing where she now goes to the psychiatry, uh, place. She meets Dr. Chilton, uh, we get the whole setup with Barney the orderly of how dangerous these psychopaths are. Walk down, walk down, walk down. Boom. We meet the scariest original character of the 1990s, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. I mean, right. what do we say, guys? Well, I think what's so interesting about him is that, like you mentioned, obviously is inspired by real life serial killers like uh, uh, Dahmer and, and these sorts of people, but the characterization of being this sophisticated intellectual psychiatrist who also kills and eats people like that's such an interesting thing. And I bet he's yeah. Sherlock Holmes that, that he has this like yeah, funny he's like a name. super genius. Yeah, yeah. It's like you truly have to recognize the boldness, I guess, of what Thomas Harris is creating. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has a code of ethics as weird as like he is a serial murderer and cannibal, but he has like ethics and empathy hates weirdly he hates rudeness <laughs> a lot yeah um and it's now just, it's fascinating and his performance i think he mentioned he kind of based it off of hal 9000 from 2001 mm. like this cold oh, delivery of very emotionless spooky voice. lines of course. Yeah, yeah so incredible and he, he tried not to blink 
whenever they were doing takes. So it's like, it's, it's, it's very effective. Yeah. And again, he plays it differently than Brian Cox did in Manhunter where he was very much more animalistic, whereas he's so reserved and he's just very still and always in control. It seems like, uh, it always wants to be in control. They talk about even when he attacked one of the orderlies because they didn't follow the protocols, like his heartbeat never went above 84. So even when he's right. doing this crazy God. stuff, he doesn't get excited about it. It's all very procedural to him. Right. And what now, a fascinating m- character. Mike, yeah. I recognized on this viewing when they take the pulse rate of the uh, guard's body later on the gurney and they say pulse 84 and he stands up and takes his thing off. I was like, God damn it. He is just mm-hmm. cold as ice. That oh, yeah. payoff. Yeah. Spoilers for a movie if you haven't seen in uh, 30 oh, years yes, like yes, me. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, but, of course, uh, of course, of course. yeah, yeah. Incredible. Incredible. I didn't even catch that on this viewing. But yeah, what a nice detail. So now, um, for this episode, did you guys eat someone? Uh, yeah, I couldn't I get around ate, to uh, it. <laughs> Ray Liotta's brain, of course. Oh, oh that's, that's big spoilers. Wow. That's maybe the worst moment in movie history, Jacob. I can't even think about that. Yeah. Um, would you ever, I guess, in one of those, you know, like plane crash scenarios, do you guys the think Donner you could party? ever eat a person? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean... If it's kill or be killed, who knows what, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Can't, you, Not saying nuclear I would, cannibals, but... you're waiting for the fallout, Jacob. Well, if it's like you're a walking dead all type scenario, remember in walking dead, there's that whole community of, yeah. of people that would just kill and eat people. It's like the probably easier ways to get food than that. There's gotta be one cow out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Also, you know, berries exist. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. Go vegetarian. A potato. Yeah. Yeah. I do everything yeah. in my power to avoid Not it generally. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Hannibal, though. Right. He's yeah, into I just it. don't know that I ever could. He just he really just seems to love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most most serial killers keep a, you know, a memento or a keepsake of their victims. Not him. No, but you I ate didn't. yours. You ate that's yours. Right. Ah, that's correct. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. How so, are those yeah. drawings? Like, yeah. We, <laughs> again, Demi comes from a comedy background uh, outside of the music. He something wild. I just remembered the name of the other film. He, mm-hmm. He's directed these. And I believe Jeff Daniel. No, Ray Liotta, I think, was up for an Academy Award for that film. So uh, mm. truly, he's doing these comedy banger film performances back to back to back. And I think there's part of him that cannot help but craft his lector as so darkly comic like dark chocolate comic like he is rich in dark comedy in the way that i would almost say mary heron's american psycho people will be like colin how can you laugh at that movie i'm like that is a comedy that's the point Mm. of that movie it's a dark 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 comedy right I think with with Hannibal, he loves to be kind of the center of attention. He loves to kind of captivate his audience. And he's very, he's a quick wit. So he's just always, you know, dropping those classic lines. Incredibly uh, sharp. Yeah. And I mean, the script is great. And the interactions with, you know, Jodie Foster and him. Yes. Probably the best parts of the movie, right? Just like their dynamic. Oh, and let's do the monologue again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. No, the, um, you know, cinematographer, Tak Fujimoto, right? He's mm. done a lot of classics, Sixth Sense, Signs, you know, Silence of the Lambs, obviously. But the way this Ooh, is amazing. shot, like what you're, you have scenes, the most exciting scenes in these, in this movie to me is just two people talking, which yeah. a lesser cinematographer director would just do shot, reverse shot. But 
the scenes are so dynamic with the blocking and the camera moving and the framing getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And they're looking straight down the barrel of the camera. The actors are looking into the lens, cutting POV back and yeah, forth. The close-ups. Like, yeah. yeah. And you're in their perspective and it is wild. And the, like, it just, you get tighter and tighter and tighter as the tension builds. And it's, it's incredible the way they shoot scenes of two people talking and the performances to carry that energy. Yeah. It's incredible. Do you think, again, that's the feminism, um, claustrophobia, just sort of the what it's like to be stare, even when someone friendly like Barney the Orderly. Hi, how you doing? I'm Barney. His first lines. Totally fine and, you know, not threatening at all. You are still as a little woman from uh, North Dakota, West West Virginia, undeniably uh, or whatever. Yeah threatened by anything right so is that this imposing the claustrophobia <sighs> is that the empathy to put us in the shoes because even the the victim of buffalo bills it's all shot from her per- like yes. down and looking yes. up right like you are yes. you know and then he's always up looking down so um i, I didn't think want of us not say precious as our nickname by oh precious, precious. <laughs> man come here you uh, stupid dog i this is I, I hate when they're walking out and i don't know why that don't lady you is, my dog i don't know why she's keeping precious with her i'm like i do not want this dog oh, taken away from me that's that is the moment where i'm like this is a perfect movie because again jonathan demi knows uh, this woman is not a perfect victim. Basically, here here's the thing. Um, yeah, she yells two, at. We're jumping ahead. We'll come back. Uh, yeah, she yeah, does. Sorry. That's incredible. Yeah. Two mistakes are made in this movie by by the sort of nebulous nature of the script. Is that like a serial killing is occurring, and the head of the FBI goes, "God damn it, we need to stop the serial killer." I'll send my trainee to go interview this guy who's good with serial killers, and it just so happens. That guy knows the serial killer. And like the yeah. rest of the movie is just him going like, I'm not going to tell you the name and kind of just like figuring out the pieces. Right. right yeah. And then the other huge mistake is our serial killer who just kidnaps random people that he does profile, but not enough to know who they are, steals a senator's daughter and just right. like, has like That's the when world turned against him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you blew it. Yep, and that kind of shows a, a sort of a classism to angle sun. too, where it's like, yes. oh, you can mm. abduct all the you know working class it's, people you want, but it's you know. not a problem until it becomes a politician's problem. Jacob, mm. we are literally seeing in real time in Los Angeles there is a serial killer killing black women that has gone unknown until one right. of them escaped, and it's it's they well, that's the thing with to the police. Uh, Jeffrey Jesus. Dahmer, like, yes, they didn't take him seriously for a long time because he was Ugh. you know killing black people. Yeah, nuts. So we're getting stuff in 91 that's saying, hey, you know what? There's maybe a difference in the way things are being policed. Right. It's, this is more class based. But yeah, you know what I mean? Um, wild. Um, uh, yeah. And, you know, Hannibal being having a pa- a former patient that was a victim of Buffalo Bill. I kind of I never out. understood that when I was younger either. I was like, yeah, how does he know that this head is in this jar in this garage or whatever? Like that always confused me, but I understood so it more this time. Yeah. Yeah, that's well they lends itself to rewatches, but that's kind of the the deal is he's like, Look, I'll give yeah. you info. I, I have information that you want and I just want you to tell me details about your life. And that's his quid pro quo, you know. Yes, right. So yes. he he slowly and it, it in every visit drip feeds information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So we see Clarice's backstory. She grew up poor, West Virginia, like like he says in the monologue. Mm-hmm. Uh, her dad was a local cop who was killed in a 
attempted robbery or something. And uh, she was, you know, orphaned as a young child, right? Yep. Yes. Not a coal miner. My mom died when I was very young. My father was my whole world. Um, like you said, Jacob, he, he stopped the burglary. Did he die immediately? No, he was strong. He was strong. A whole month. You know, just in... And let's talk about Jody for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she wins the Academy Award for this. She's not, I mean, she's not someone who is, I guess, a huge figure for me. She's someone now who I think has a lot built around her because she's Republican and friends with Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. But right. that association seems to be more through this sort of like, Three Musketeers rehab that she has sort of never been out and about of like, is that some sort of substance abuse or alcoholism that she was facing, but she seems Mm. to have on rap. Mm -hmm. And then I just remember that Lifetime Achievement Oscar, which is wild since she has won one already. And, you know, I thought it was always a great actress um, where she gave the speech and basically said, and a lot of people ask me if I'm gay. Well, here's my answer. I live with a woman. So am mm. I? And everybody was like, well, are you? And she's like, I don't know. Am I? And so uh, I <laughs> still wouldn't say it. And it was like, right. well, this is crazy. I, like I didn't that. know she was a Republican. I know she was yes. friends with Mel Gibson and everything that yeah. she made that movie, The Beaver with him. The, uh, your favorite movie. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but I thought that was more like, uh, oh, if she's just defending her, her canceled friends and so on. But right. I didn't know she was a Republican. That's very interesting to me, I guess. Um she, she directs now, right? She made that that Money right. Monster. I guess was her mm. last movie with Clooney and Roberts. Um, mm. I don't know. She again. She's someone. I'm glad she never came back to this because she knocks this out of the park. And I I don't think she would have needed the mm. desperation to come back to Clarice Starling, right? I wish she did come back in Hannibal. Not that I don't like Julianne Moore at all, but uh, I, I mean that, that movie's not, not very good. Savable, dude. Yeah, no, but yeah. <laughs> And they do kind of ruin the character of Clarice in that movie. Like, yeah, it's not a very good movie. I consider the book this, goes that way, mm-hmm. I should say. Bummer. Yeah, but I consider just this in a vacuum one of the great all-time performances from both leads, even though like Anthony Hopkins is the lead. Yeah, in his eight minutes, he's carrying a million pounds on his back. But you so feel his absence when he's not in it, Mike, right? Yeah, yeah, but then the scenes where she's solo, you know, exploring Buffalo Bill's house or doing her own kind of you know, investigative stuff. She's still really, really good in those scenes because she has to keep her composure with this overwhelming, you know, right. And energy that she feels unwelcome, all that shit. Yes. Yeah. And going back to small town, West Virginia, I can't remember what state they're in, but go to Ohio at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the fake out, right? When they're all in Ohio and it turns out he's in Chicago or something. And, um, I think it's a flip. She's in Ohio. Either way. Okay. That's Chicago. Um, And yes, but just her returning and she's kind of seeing flashbacks to her childhood. And then thinking about it, like, you know, she can empathize with these victims more because she was that person. She was, you know, a small town girl growing up in a a small town and wanting to get out. Right. And, um, we haven't discussed what the silence of the lambs is. (laughs) Well, we get the first flashback that I think sets up the story for her of little girl running to the sheriff, dad saying, did you stop any bad guys today? And yeah. I think her saying that is literally her creed of her life of, I will stop bad guys. And the father's response but, is, no, they all got away, unfortunately, today. Yeah, sorry, know? sweetie, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we get her real story, Mike, which is the um, death of the father, as we said, in the mm-hmm. burglary. 
Where did you go? I went to a sister's brother and wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took care of me. Did he? Did they fillet you? Cows. No, he was a good man. Yeah, they yeah. were farmers. Uh, yeah, well, they have <laughs> sheep. Yeah. yeah, horses. They're nice. Um, well, what was it? Well, I, you know, one night I woke up. I heard screams. I heard children's screams, and I ran out. Why? Why did you do it, Clarice? Did mm-hmm. you run away? No, I ran to the voices. I ran to help, and I went and. It was the lambs. The lambs. They were the lambs, and they the were lambs. they were getting ready to kill them all. And I threw the pen open, and they just stared at me. They couldn't <laughs> run. They didn't know what to do. They, they so just confused. stayed there. And I cried, and I I was scared, and I knew I I had to save at least one. So I grabbed one and I ran. But I could only get so far before they found me. He was so heavy. Like oh my god. So <laughs> oh, even as this child, she. Yeah, maybe and then she's they put her up in an orphanage after that. Even, you know, and, yeah. and basically was maybe even put into foster care or something, yep, yep. right, Mike? And somehow Jody Foster care. She drives <laughs> Jody Foster Care. Sorry. She drives a piece of shit car, but uh, other than that, we know like she double majored in college. She's basically the hottest shot, you know, psychology slash criminal law, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's really competent at her job, which is another thing. She's that- a genius. Yeah. Um so how she would have gotten foot maybe she like served like you know i, I have no idea yeah, right yeah. um she's got, but it's she's got cheap shoes and a good bag you got your right the cheap shoes and a good bag but you're one step away from white trash <laughs> Man. uh it's just all the best so yeah. that's her we're gonna get all that later we're, so we're, so he posits to her yeah the reason you're hunting down and you want to solve this crime is because you still hear the lambs crying when you sleep and if you can save uh this one victim maybe they will stop at last you know the silence of the lambs, right, right? so she's so, got kind of a a complex where she needs to save people save your right? complex save yeah. your complex and you thank God Dino De Laurentiis did not release a movie with lamb in the title because this is a great title. And again, the imagery is so much because you're getting the death head moss. Right. The cover mm-hmm. is one of the all time terrifying covers to walk by in Blockbuster between the old it with the Tim Curry Pennywise, mm-hmm. which was if so help me God, if that was next to Silence of the Lambs with the mouth with the bug coming out of it, like yeah. right. there was a good chance I might go home from Blockbuster crying that night <laughs> if I saw that at the right age. Yeah. Um but the title is that. I mean, the if it was like in guys, think about it in modern context. Now it would be called Silence of the Lambs. A knives out mystery, like they, you know, they like they put it would be called a manhunter mystery or a red dragon right, a Hannibal follow-up or exactly yeah, a Hannibal yeah. story. Yeah, it mm-hmm. would just be nothing. But it's this standalone one film, The Silence of the Lambs. That's it's provocative. I just think that's perfect. Yeah, and the rest of the films having to have some of them having the Hannibal tie-in and Red oh, Dragon's right, yeah. name of the I mean, book. the sequel... Oh, from here on out, it's... Exactly. Like, they just gave up on the sequel. Oh, let's call it Hannibal, I guess. But, I mean, that's what the book is is called that it's based it's on, but... Dr. Lecter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hannibal but, Rising. Yeah. Hannibal Rising. But what a great... Yeah, you know, it's just a great piece of work. We, we talked about, hey, what's the best timeline for the Halloween films? You watch the first one and you stop. With this, just watch Signs of the Lambs. I haven't seen the other ones, yeah. and I will out of curiosity, but this is just... 
Watch you don't Man. need anything else. Yeah, Watchman on her. It piques Watch, your curiosity. Watch Red, Red Dragon's fine. Right, yeah. right. But even this, yeah. like, if your curiosity is peaked, you can do that. But this by itself yeah. doesn't need anything around it. You know, right. Jacob, does, is the last shot of Red Dragon uh, Anthony Hopkins, and you hear somebody say, uh, Clarice Starling walking in now? Yes, or literally. Like that. It's yes. Dr. Chilton. He's like, there's a young woman here to see you. Uh, it literally ends at the beginning of Silence so of the Lambs. So you could just do these. Wow. You could just Red go. Dragon, then yeah. Silence of the Lambs, then yeah. Hannibal. Yeah. I would say watch Manhunter, then watch Red Dragon if you want an inferior version of Manhunter yeah. with yeah. Anthony Hopkins in it, though. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. I think they're all worth watching once. Even Hannibal, it's not very good, but just to see no. the sequel and see what yeah. Hannibal's up you to after this movie. You want to see Anthony Hopkins inhabit this role up. again at least you know what I yes mean? So. unfortunately the script is never as good the lines are never as good he's hamming it up in the sequel kind of yeah, and it's all just yeah him getting paid to, and like i said he became a movie star after this right it's, yeah. it's came, such a different actor right? the person who kind of didn't get anything from this film is ted levine who of course plays buffalo bill and he's um, great he's incredible to shout him out real quick the performance is just lost because these other three, including like Scott Glenn gets top billing for some reason hmm. above the title billing, which is phenomenal. But they're just eating up so much real estate that, you know, truly he was dating Martha Stewart at this time. Young, hmm. foxy Martha Stewart, if you Ted Levine up was at, at this time, no Ted kidding. Levine was and broke up with him because she said he had gone to method and that he oh, was wow. like gone basically. Whoa. Well, he's incredible in this movie and he's always great when he shows up and things. I always like to see him. I mean, are you saying a series regular on the show monk? That's he, not anything called to, <laughs> to the people of the two thousands at our age two families. I would say Ted Levine is the captain on monk. Like that is a great career <laughs> right. that he just kind of had for the rest of his life. Right? But he's great as a character actor. Anytime he shows yeah. up in anything, I always like to see him and I, he disappears into this role for sure. Oh man. What yeah. is that Leo crazy movie with Scorsese. Is it, is that Shutter, oh, Shutter Island? Island? Yeah. He has the all time best cameo in Shutter Island. Cause he, they build his character up and then it's revealed to be Ted Levine and he's in a cart and he just has a one shot monologue with Leo one scene and it's out. And you're just like, Ted Levine can just come in and just fucking knock it out of the park, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I wonder how much screen time Buffalo Bill has in this, because whenever he's there, he, he is owning it, you know, and like right. to see him, was she know, a great big fat lady? Right. But <laughs> no, when, I, when he I turns remember. on bumpkin mode versus, you know, to borrow yeah, from another face. Lady, lady, lady the police have uh, any leads on the bubble of milk? The cops or? around here don't know shit. Does the FBI <laughs> yeah. know anything that I should be aware of? Yeah. Fingerprints <laughs> right. or uh, pictures a name? <laughs> what evidence yeah. do you have? Yeah. <laughs> Jacob, I mean, would you trick a woman into your car by pretending to have a broken arm? <laughs> well, that, that's crazy because that's based on. Uh, What's that fucking guy? Um, the re- there's a real serial killer who would wear casts and stuff. One and of like, the handsome ones. Yeah, the handsome like, like Ted, oh, I need a hand. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Bundy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. That makes sense. he would literally do that and have a cast and be like, oh, because no. you appear weak and then, yeah. Oh, you I crutches. can't. Hey, I can't hurt you because obviously you know. Yeah, come here, come yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> Predatory. Right. Wow. So yeah, but, uh, but I, I like. Mean, oh, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Oh, you, me. Thank you. Uh, Jodie Foster picks up on a thing with the 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 girl who gets kidnapped. Her mother keeps saying her name, right? And then Jodie Foster's like, oh, that's smart because if she keeps saying the name, he'll feel like as a human being and not just like a victim. Right. And so you, when you see, notice, 
Yeah, go ahead. Two, it puts the lotion. It puts the the lotion on the skin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then even when she's trying to like talk to him, like she's kind of trying to human humanify herself. And even when she kidnaps the dog to try to, you know, let you know escape. That's when he kind of sees her as a person. He's like, "You, you leave my dog alone. You leave my dog alone." Well, even when she's yelling at him to not put the lotion in the basket, he starts to get frustrated because he's having a hard time separating her humanity. Like he's just like, "Just do the thing," and you see him start to break and just put the fucking lotion in. And it's like, out of incredible, all the serial killers who could attack you, out of all the ways you could go, Buffalo Bill, guys, to be kidnapped, kept in a hole, and then starved to death. Is that how you guys want to go? It's, it's also so that you 14. know that he's gonna like use your leg to like wear later. He Mike. wants your muscles to atrophy <laughs> and stuff so that your skin is easier to remove. Like it's a process right. too. It's fucking weird. And when Clarice goes through the house and we get to the dungeon and we see how far he is into the flesh suit, guys, and it's one side is done, basically one breast. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. You mm. kind of know that like. He's going to have to go through like five more women basically just to get like the whole other side. And then the, like, let alone if he's going to do like some kind of face, he's going to fuck that up. Yeah. Gonna, like right. have to like stop at his neck and just like wear like makeup and like blend it. And she was wearing makeup, but it's, yeah, it's wild. And that's one of the most kind of, that's the gruesome bit of the movie. There's not a lot of it, yeah. you know, but when they use it, it's incredibly effective. But yes. But what I, th- what I think is so interesting about his character is that he's not, completely evil like they do try to humanize him again like jonathan demi he hates humanizes himself, everyone in this saying, movie yeah, yeah he mm-hmm. hates himself he's trying to tr- it's all about transformation right um but you see like he he's not completely emotionless like he gets upset when he starts having to think about his victim as a person instead mm-hmm. of an object it, it it makes him upset it's like so this identity kind of, of murdering right now he's not even pleased with yeah, it's just a it's just a means to the ends of getting the suit, but he doesn't like that part. That's why it has to be an it, right? What right. A, what a complex character, and that final kind of pursuit is incredibly tense. And they set up night vision goggles earlier, and that whole sequence is just like, yes, fucking. I think one of the maybe, scariest things I've ever seen. Yeah, maybe the first usage of the mic mm. in a movie. Yeah, or, yeah, one of the earliest wide stream. I wouldn't know that data, but super effective and then it's just and the the fake out well this is what i want to get your opinion on mike oh seeing this for the first time first of all the 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 hannibal escape scene Mm -hmm. second of all the fake out with the all the swat team and everyone attacking we've got him entering this house and then it turns out it's the wrong house and clarice is actually at the right house alone and that's Mm -hmm. when you're like oh shit (laughs) it's so what do you think of that i'll start with the twist because i have some stuff i want to mention about hannibal escaping but um yeah I, I loved it. Like I, I, I remember hearing like, oh yeah, the different house and like it's it's setting up, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I think I know that you know there's going to be a switcheroo. But either way, like the way it played out was incredibly effective. And then you realize that she's alone. All the FBI with all their guns are somewhere else. She's a trainee. And the way she slowly, she she's pretty smart and in control in that situation. The what did we learn before, Mike? What's your blind spot? The corner. My corner. Check the corners. What did? What? How did you die? I didn't check them. Mm-hmm. She learned <laughs> so that. You're seeing her training coming into play there, right? Yep. She learned, and even things she, she learned about turning. the case once she notices the, the moth behind her. No, I, I love that. Like the way she's doing the gunplay crouches to get a better angle on the stairs. Like 
you know, very good stuff. So I think that all played out really well. And the slow tension, again, like we said, you know, what, what does the FBI know? You know, the police don't know anything. Right. And how soon do you think she realized it? Because he introduces himself. She knows his name is Jamie Gum, but he also goes by like John, John Grant, Grant sometimes. That's Jacob Jacob Ebel. Now you also go by Justin Eric. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like the laziest, mm-hmm. right? So he introduces himself as like Jack Gordon or something, right? Yeah. Like, JG. Do you think she's starting to put it together? Like JG. Everything in his kitchen, every picture he has is butterflies, butterflies and moths. She's like, which is she's literally just like looking around and nodding. Mm-hmm. Another thing I appreciate about Buffalo bill as a character is that he has like hobby stuff outside of killing people like he's he's mm-hmm. into insects he's into tailoring like you know somebody loves this little guy you know <laughs> yeah. yeah somebody yeah. imported yeah. these asian moths and grew them because they're he not had domestic. a boyfriend he he cut his head off but he's somebody loved him <laughs> yep yep yeah. but i know that when well, the, the bug people they're like somebody loved this like somebody grew this bug and fed it and made sure you right. know they're not uh you know, domestic creatures. So I think she guys asking her out on a date, Mike (sighs) again. Yeah. Just hammering that, that point, like just existing as a woman in a a lot of bullshit. Yes. Yeah. Um, but she, um, like this whole thing. I think it's when she sees a death head moth that it's like 100% like, yes, because there's, she undoes the strap at that moment. There's no way a random guy. Yeah. This is it. This is the, the smoking gun, so to speak. Right. And, and as a man now at 33, I'm just like, yeah, have your dungeon or whatever. You can be messy down there. But even as a serial killer, clean up your place. You have a huge house. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> yeah. that but he has like a cool building. basement where he yes, hangs out with I was with like, this bugs. place is great. <laughs> yeah. Jacob, just do that me, and don't naked, murder. You know, add my fucking laptop as <laughs> Lucy runs around me barking. Like, you can't see me going like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, breeding bugs or writing scripts. Whatever you do down there is cool. Just don't do the murdering part, you know? Yeah, playing dress What's that up. for? Shh, quiet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some, some, some bangers like yeah, Goodbye Horses. Goodbye Horses, horses. baby. Now, have yeah. you guys ever talked before? <laughs> Every day. <laughs> you, guys, you guys ever right. done the talk? Uh, can either confirm or deny anything in a public forum. Mm. Iconic moment of the movie, though. Let's, so that's kind of our end, right? But let's mm-hmm. talk about the end for our fan favorite character. Now, the the escape, right? Yes. The the deal that's been built up, built up for Lecter is like, we're going to give you all these nice things. Oh, that wasn't real. Like I said, I never put that together before. And then it's like, oh, okay, Dr. Chilton is negotiating instead on his behalf and a separate branch of the FBI to get actual help. They do get the description from him. Lecter does like cooperate, does not give the correct name. Right. Jack Crawford says that later. We still know it's James Gum, but they still get the wrong address, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but because of that, he's going to get these perks where like he goes to like an island and he's like allowed to like be in the water for one like 30 hour. minutes or one hour with like you know, right. armed supervision around him and stuff. Like he'll go to a place with a window like that's the good stuff. It sets up that he's in this hotel. He meets with the senator. We, of course, get the iconic. I had never seen that sort of mask before. And again, the orderlies have built up. If Lecter even touches you, 
he's going to like try to eat parts of you. So like his mouth is his danger zone. (laughs) Yes. So you, he has to be put away, right? Has to be muzzled like a dog. Um, Mm -hmm. And we get this final interaction with Jody where of course she gives the silence of the lamb speech. Um, But otherwise we, we get his escape here and Mike, this is like a little action scene in the middle of our thriller movie. And again, this is the gore. This is what's making it a horror movie, I guess. Kind of. Well, I want to know, did you know about this beforehand or what was your reaction and how soon did you realize, oh, like what what's happening by the time he's like in the ambulance and stuff? I was so not I did not see it coming, you know, wow. in hindsight, you know, when the reveal is that he's, you know, wearing the dude's face and stuff. But yeah, Colin. That's pointing Prescott. Out, yep. The 84. <laughs> genius though what a what a what a play yes what a play and, and like, yeah. like okay he's going up to the fifth floor and it's like yeah he's probably hiding the body up there and then coming back down right. and then pretending so to he be kills the guards mm-hmm. uh takes fires a faces. shot i guess yeah because yeah. they say a bullet stages a shootout just for the yeah. sound of it right yep kills the other guard takes his face acts like he's the guard and he's how dying. does he get and his he gets face taken off. away <laughs> Hey, he's skilled. He's, he's talented. You know, he's got a lot of he, experience. Yeah, let's say this face too. Probably, no. He has a bobby pin, right? So that's the the kickoff to get his cuffs off. Right. Sort of does this whole thing. Yeah. It's like a part of a pen, right? Is that what well, it is? Well, he's looking at the senator's pen, pen like point. a crazy yeah. person. Okay. I was going to say, the 90s yeah. wanted you to believe bobby pins were like indestructible. But our age, oh, if sure. you ever grabbed one of your mom's, I would put it in a lock. It would snap. Even the idea of putting it in it, it would just break immediately. And I'd be like, these are worthless. No, MacGyver can yeah. just arm a nuclear warhead with one, though. Yes. Fire, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they, the media wanted you to believe you could do anything if you got your hands Nancy on Nancy Drew opens a door with them. Everybody yes. could use them for anything. Yeah, yeah. But he yes. uses the pen and it's 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 an elaborate way he kind of sets up because they handcuff him to the bars and then he him, yeah. slowly yes. unlocks himself. And then he hits the guy with the handcuffs and he looks at him. Gotcha. It's like, oh, oh and the man. best part is like they're smack, giving he's like, oh, they requested a second meal. Lamb chops extra rare. It's like slaughtering lambs. So he's like poetic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he heard that story, and then that's again. He's like Doctor improvising out there. So funny that he's like, oh, that story Clarice told was so funny." That made him like, no, chuckle when he ordered it. Story, and literally he's no like, one's gonna Bleh. understand that yeah, but him. Like, but it's just for his amusement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Um, I, I loved it. Ends this film by saying, "I'm having an old friend for dinner." <laughs> like, yes. is, there is no moment that's not great with him. Yep. No, he's having a great time. Yeah. For for a murdering cannibal, you know, very charming, you know. Yes. Yeah. Just if don't be rude, know, or he'll talk you into murdering yourself. Was, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> if you want to know how he was caught, you can always watch the prequel. Ed oh, Dragon. that's right. Right. So the go ahead. The film wisely knows, like this guy is like somehow going to be your favorite character, and somehow Chilton is like the villain of this film. So. We will end this movie even after Clarice is wrapped up and you as the audience have forgotten because it's been 35 minutes since the last time we saw Hannibal Lecter. We'll have him call in and say, hey, that movie we were just in was pretty cool. Have a great one, Clarice. And you're like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, I'm chow. It's like, I, uh, you know. I'm not going to come after you, so maybe don't come after me. But you know, yes. in his mind, he's like, but please come after me just for the fun the of it. World, the world <laughs> right. is more interesting with you in it. And of course, yeah. the touch with the dossier, 
you could apply the sexuality to it, I guess, and you could apply the loss of the father that maybe there's the mentor relationship. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the reason with Jack Crawford that Jodie Foster's character is looking for a father mentor there. Maybe, again, that's inappropriate sexuality. Mm. Maybe you could do the read of that one waitress she gets information from is kind of the one person Jody has kind of a one-on-one conversation with. And then her black colleague, female colleague as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe she's a lesbian. Who knows, right? You you could yeah, put all that on there. You could see it from that angle. I, I don't put the romance of Dr. Lecter, though. I put the Not intrigue. So much, uh, I don't put the romance. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily romance, more of him seeing a kindred spirit or someone yes. that he sees almost on an equal level. Like it's, he it's sees what himself you said as smarter than everyone else. He respects yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. And he respects her and he doesn't respect very many people. So for yes. someone like that, like it's, you know, and, he feels and she engages with him, you know, when he, she's, he's talking about all this stuff and she's like, what are those drawings about? And he's like, ah, like, like no one's ever asked me about those. The Bellissima. Yeah. You know, she's course. treating him as a person too, the way he's treating her as a person, even though he's a, a serial killer. So I think there's a right. mutual respect and maybe the finger touch is just for the for the lols for him. Like, I'll just do this yeah. thing. It'll be weird. You know? But also, I think he he hasn't had any human contact for like, you know, yes, 10 that's years. true. Like the, yeah. says he probably hasn't even seen a woman in eight years right. when, when she first comes to him. Mm-hmm. So but I, 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 um, I think it's the escape is awesome. But I wanted to bring up a theory that I read about. And this is that. Because Hannibal says, oh, I, I, Buffalo Bill was one of my patients and whatever, right? There's a lot, there's a theory that says he kind of helped create Buffalo Bill through like pushing him down that path as right. a contingency to help him escape jail, knowing oh, that he could leverage oh. information to get, get me a cell with a window, get me lighter security, and I'll mm-hmm. help you catch this guy. Meanwhile, that's why he knows his name and all the shit. It was all part of his gambit to escape. And everything went according to his keikaku, to his plan. Wow. As it were. I think that it's fascinating. Be, I like that theory. And He's it smart. could be also he was just, uh, he was bored when he was dealing with his patients. And he's like, this patient what could you- potentially become a serial killer. Maybe I can just push him on that you, path. What do you right, think right. of him as a psychiatrist, Jacob? He <laughs> says about uh, um, Jamie, James Gum's boyfriend, mm-hmm. he was so boring. Hey, Classic, boring. manic, depressive. Right. His therapy was going nowhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, this guy, he what you know, he was so bored, he started eating people. So, you know, like, yeah, he needs do you a think challenge. he was good, though? Do you think he could fix me? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think so. If he, I think the chef, if he felt like he wanted lot. to. Right. Yeah. With the Matt, Matt's Mickelson show shows him right. as a psychiatrist, like an acting psychiatrist right. in the show. Well, yeah. that's what he's doing with Jody. Like, really? Tell me about yeah. your worst childhood memory. What's your baggage? Right. right. And then do you think solving this crime will get rid of your baggage? Is that what you're after? Like he is psychoanalyzing her and doing all the things. So and he is a liaison to the police. Of course, that's sort of his background as that's the Red the Dragon first book, Manhunter mm-hmm. and Red Dragon. Um, yeah. Of it all. And then you could argue he kind of created or helped the I, tooth fairy which is the I other the, the interesting r- relationship that they form as well jacob with the pen yeah. palingness of course mm. um it's it's interesting that he kind of always is tied to the villain i guess hey that's thomas harris maybe well, leaned on that one too many times yeah, yeah. and i think he kind of used that formula over from red dragon of he's he's locked up but he's helping the fbi catch another seal killer like it's the same thing but right. I think he works better as a supporting character. Right. Once you get to Hannibal, he's kind of the main 
main villain being a sort of a monster on the loose and then it's all about him it's not as good it's better when he's just a side character giving yeah. input and not like the main he's like an enigma killer that they're going after yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and it, people don't want to see the prequel movie right they didn't like uh hannibal rising and that right. show had a fan base but brian fuller programs typically seem to see this sort of like fervent outsider obsession but never really a, a mainstream yeah it was a it was a cult hit i think it yeah. had three seasons before it got canceled and there's been talk of bringing it back over the last couple of years but i don't think anything concrete is happening with now that. jacob did you know now obviously it developed into something else we got this clarice show that deals with the fallout of this on mm. paramount plus i have no idea i don't even want to talk about that thing it got canceled <laughs> like immediately but did sure. you know brian fuller's planned fourth season was silence of the the lambs right once you get to the Hmm. third season that's when they start doing red dragon and like you said richard armitage is the tooth fairy and that and everything Hmm. so they he did have plans to bring in more like probably a new clarice and and these new characters and stuff lawrence fisher and and supposedly the pick was ellen page uh formerly ellen elliot yeah yeah nice interesting interesting um I only got like maybe maybe I got to season two, but yeah, I didn't get to the tooth fairy or anything. But some interesting premises, like somebody who's, you know, making violin strings out of human sinew. And they're like, okay, that's that's weird, <laughs> right? But stuff like and that, that. Yeah, and that show deals okay. a lot with the relationship between Will Graham and Hannibal, and getting into the you know, like I mentioned before, Will Graham has like the serial killer mind where he can see things from their I, point of view. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's all about yeah, we're we're just alike you and I. I right? believe, but officially, he is on the spectrum in that program, mm. and I think it. Spoiler alert! But I believe it ends with them kissing. So hmm. and like, I know kill, there's like, a lot of mutual suicide. So in that uh, fan <laughs> yeah, base, it's all about it, shipping. It's like, that, yeah. I I'm not positive I will ever be watching that show, but I I, I would put it to you. I guess um, before we'll we'll jump to our final thoughts, mm-hmm. but just sort of a, a overarching uh, wrap up question here is: What well, where do you think it would go again? Would they uh, try to do this again? Will they do a Will Anthony Hopkins get the Halloween Jody, you know, 2018 treat, mm. Jamie Lee 2018 treatment? Will he get like Hannibal 2024? He's an old man. <laughs> um, the, the Just Desserts. That's what I would call it. Yeah. Hannibal, yeah. Just Desserts. Um, yeah. And we'll ignore great, all Mike. the sequels. And it's yes, literally, right. he's just been on the run just for 50 years. Lambs. Yep. Yeah. Um, you're still a hanging well, around? I have that wig on from the end of the island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm they, so wouldn't even, actually, they wouldn't even need to ignore like Hannibal at the end of Hannibal spoiler alert. He's still on the loose. So okay. Oh, I thought, it, does he not die in that one? No, he, I think in uh, the book he does. Oh, well, that's yeah. the other thing is every movie except for, well, even Hannibal rising, they're all based on novels by Thomas, Thomas Harris. Harris. So they novels. never made it a, original movie about hannibal that wasn't based on a book right but he has stopped writing the character i think it's sort of this sherlock holmes you know obsession of like the character's bigger than me and i think he has tried to kill him off a couple times to whatever fan outcry or whatever i wouldn't put it past hollywood to say yeah screw it we'll do it anyway and it would be something like that a legacy it'll never disappear sure but it won't be a tv show again do you guys think they would just do another movie or just they would reboot silence of the lambs at some point or just do red dragon for the fourth time in yeah. media 
Um, I don't know. It's I don't like, know. are they going to remake The Godfather? No, but we'll make a movie about making The Godfather, you know? Yeah, right. Making about making of Silence, Silence of, the of the Lambs. That would break my heart. Dino uh, De Laurentiis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, doing so many drugs. It doesn't need anything. That's the thing. It's so get, good. Get Arnold on the phone. <laughs> right. I do have, I have a couple fun facts that I could tell you before Ooh, we jump please. in. Okay. Yeah. Um, so number one. Uh, so Barney, the the orderly, right? Frankie Faison. Frankie uh, Faison, the best. He's the only actor to appear in every movie, except maybe Hannibal Rising, because I didn't watch that. But he's in Manhunter as a different character. And then he's in Was that this movie, uh, Hannibal and Red Dragon. I remember the Barney. first scene of Hannibal is him being interviewed, right? Yeah. Hmm, he's yeah. in that. He's in Red Dragon and he plays like a police officer in Manhunter just, just randomly. crazy. Frankie Faison's great. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then Bosch, the other thing that Bosch I thought. right now. Right. Um, he was in The Wire. Um, mm. The other thing I thought was interesting is that. So Manhunter shot by cinematographer Dante Spin- Spinetti, I think is his name. Uh also, the same cinematographer who shot Red Dragon. So he shot the same story <clears throat> from two huh. different directors. And the I remember screenwriter. That's a Texas Chainsaw. Uh, yeah, he did the reboot yeah. and the original. Same cinematographer. Oh, yeah. Yep. But very different style, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing is the screenwriter of Science of the Lambs, Tom Telly. Is that his name? Mm. Uh, Academy Award. Did not come back for Hannibal, but did come back and wrote the script for Red Dragon. So Red Dragon oh, is God. written by the the screenwriter of Silence of the Lambs and shot by the cinematographer of Manhunter. Hmm. Hannibal, on the other hand, directed by Ridley Scott, screen a screenplay by David Mamet and Steve Zalian. So very strange that that movie is not very good because it has a lot of talent oh, behind it. Str- that's strange to you. <laughs> I like Ridley Scott. I mean, he's got some misfires. I think he has yeah, a lot. I, not a lot. I think it's more misses than hits, unfortunately, with Ridley. Well, he's made so many movies at this point. Like, I was looking yeah. at his filmography. I was like, damn. So, he's, he's allowed a few misses. Like, he made Gladiator, the, uh, Hannibal, and Black Hawk Down within a two-year period. So, I think this one was the one that was neglected. In the same month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, um, right. But if you're a completionist, I would recommend just watching those movies just once, just to, you know, the, the sequels, Hannibal and Red Dragon, which is actually a prequel, and then definitely check out Manhunter because that movie so good. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I definitely um, am curious for more of the Hannibal verse. I guess I don't know if I'll be doing it immediately because we're running out of days on Spooktober. There's some other films I want to watch, but I will right. come back around. I will watch Manhunter. I do want to. Uh, he's a fascinating character, and if even if he's never better than he is in this movie, I still have a desire to going for seconds let's say totally and the weird thing about the sequels too is that so this came out in 91 right they waited 10 years to make hannibal in 2001 and then they made red dragon in 2002 and those were both (laughs) produced by dino de laurentis who was like like, science lambs was so good we got to make some sequels to this baby Mm -hmm. uh and the the last fun fact that i'll mention um manhunter uh Will Graham and that is played by William Peterson, who would go on to be in CSI, one of the you know most popular shows ever made. And CSI was essentially popularized by this idea of showing forensics on screen in Manhunter and Science of the Lambs. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So it all wraps together, I guess. All your true crime shows built on the... And true crime wasn't really a thing as we know it no. now, right? Until you know what the 2010s with podcasts and stuff like that so well i mean 60 minutes and like you know yeah 
that those kind of shows my mom's always been into those like uh i think there's been a big resurgence of that lately with just people using true crime and the you know the controversialness of using real life victims uh Mm -hmm. stories and kind of for entertainment that's a whole other well that's why i prefer this to something like the netflix dahmer or any of the ted bundy one you know it's like i just give me a a fictitious account of something inspired that way you know nobody's really harmed right and 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 the whole dahmer thing yeah it's very divisive because apparently it is a good show and a lot of people are enjoying it but it's also like you're exploiting real people's you know, tragedy for, for money and for entertainment. Yeah. And even I think, you know, Dahmer's relatives are like suing them because they, they don't want, you know, they, they want people to stop talking about him. Like they want to separate their stop lives. Saying from our this. Name. Yeah. 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 And gotta be personally, traumatic. I haven't watched it. It's not, that's not the type of thing I watch is those biopics I haven't or either, whatever. No. So not I don't watch me. a lot of true crime stuff and I don't no. watch a lot of thrillers and you know, what sets this one apart? I'll, I'll ask as we go into our, our final thoughts here on Silence of the Lambs. This is just, you know, uh, Mike, I'm not surprised you haven't seen it. It seems like the longer we're moving on, it's fading away a little. There was just a, there was a, yeah. a while there for 10 years where you couldn't make a parody and not include a Silence of the Lambs parody. So it was so prevalent. Mm-hmm. Right. But now it, it seems to be fading away. And it's kind of becoming one of those films like Philadelphia or like other Oscar Beatty movies where people go like, well, no, I I've like, I've seen the idea of it. Like I've basically seen it and you're like, no, Mm-mm. you haven't seen Watch it. Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> See it. It's, it's not better. Citizen it's, Kane. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those movies where like, it's famously good for a reason because it's is good and people should watch it because it's, it's probably almost, better even than you expect it to be. It's so good that people take it for granted that they don't even need to watch it because they know it's good. Right. It, right. Like it's yes. weird like that. Yeah. And the cultural osmosis, like you said, the parodies, even like the goodbye horses scene. Um, mm-hmm. I think I first came into contact with that through Jay and Silent Bob, right? Sure. Ever, you know, yep, <laughs> sure. yep, yep. Jay, Jay doing the reference to that, I think is where I first saw that scene. So uh, very popular for our generation. Seth Green has said on record a million times that uh, his Chris voice for Family Guy is based on Ted Levine. He's doing mm. a hey, oh. dad, yeah. how are you d- dad, what's going on? And the back yeah, of the throat. Says, yep, the, yep. the squeaky sure. throw. I'm huh. trying to bring up uh, here. Here it is. So I've got the 1991 top 10 film list that I've, I've published on letterbox uh, where I have songs of the lambs at the top. Mm-hmm. And that's again, not surprising because it's the number one film. I mean, it's a it won five one Oscars. Best picture that year. Yeah. Now it's released against uh, Terminator two. Mm. You know, Good that movie. is a great, probably film, the best sequel ever film. made. We've talked about it on here. It's also made by uh, one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. And Jonathan Demme, I don't think anyone is ever going to list him as one of their favorite filmmakers. And that's heartbreaking no. to me. Well, I think he's not an auteur in the traditional sense. He's done so many genres. He's done so many different kinds of movies. He's hard to pigeonhole. I mainly know him from this, Stop yeah. Making Sense, and more recently, Rachel Getting Married, which is now, the only movie I can think of that he's made recently. But that's the thing, Jacob, is you can't pin down because like Married to the Mob, something wild. 
those are all different. The music stuff. He's kind of the original hipster. He's kind of a guy where it's like, I like stuff because I want to be cool to like stuff that people don't like. And you're like, damn, Jonathan Demi, like, how did you like something nobody's heard of before? And it's like, well, because I, I seek it out. I'm like empathetic and I, I read and, you know, I study and you're like, wow, that's really cool. But that is a Jonathan Demi movie. This is as much a Jonathan Demi movie as Rachel getting married because every character in this film feels real, feels alive, feels like they have a background story. Uh, when the people at the FBI training place say like, you know, like Jack Crawford's in there and then you see them talking, they feel like they have their own story going on or they're chasing their own Buffalo Bill. Or at the end at the graduation, when they come up and she says Special Agent Starling and her friend and, and she says like Special Agent Mo or whoever her friend is, that woman has like kids running by her. You get this whole story of like, Jesus Christ, like that's right. a real fucking person. And Rachel Getting Married is, I think, a top 10 film ever made, in my opinion, because wow. that is, in my opinion, just one of the realest films ever made. And that is yeah. empathy. That is love. That is like caring is what that movie is about. And that's just who Jonathan Demi is. And I don't want this to devolve into like, this isn't like a Legends Normies episode where we're mm -hmm. just talking about him. Because I outlined everybody who came together to make this particular movie special. Yeah. But it is his empathy to be like shit, I got this job, but the person I'm talking to wants this more than anything. You know, when you're like set up to like win first prize at like the science fair for something dumb you did, but like your friend did an experiment that they're like the most passionate about in like mm -hmm. the world. And it's like really great and like important to them. And you're like, well, it's like, I'm not sure I should get the blue ribbon. Like, shouldn't Jody get it? Yeah. Right. Like, he has the empathy to step to the side and be like, we're making something important here. It's not even like, it's not even the reaction to the, to the gay stuff with making Philadelphia. Like he goes into this movie being like, we're also talking about really serious, like source material. Like I'm going to like really like take an angle of like people and survivors of like crimes and vicious stuff. And like, sort of like really try to tell a human story. And like, you just feel like that's successful too. Yeah. I don't know. And I think guys. it was a, it was a really fortuitous like confluence of things coming together where you have Hopkins and Foster coming together as the perfect actors Should we for those give roles. the best performances we're ever going to give? And Jonathan right. Demi's like, it would be nice if you did. <laughs> and yeah, you have Jonathan Demi, the perfect director for the job. And then you have great source material, a great script. It's like, you know, those, the lines in like Hannibal and Red Dragon, they're not as good. As, like the, the, no. the script is just so tight and so well written that it's like, uh, you know, it all just comes together so well to make a one of the best movie. movies ever made. It's like when yeah. we did our Jaws episode. It's like, what do we say, Mike? It's like right. it's one of the best movies ever yeah, made. Period. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the, the again, how to shoot dialogue scenes that feel dynamic and the performances, just the way he says, "Thank you, Clarice," and that one tear falls when he, she tells her story. It's like, huh? He he felt something human as much of yeah. a monster as he is, right? To sell that man, and it's just two people having a dialogue scene. I don't think a dialogue scene's ever been shot better than they've been shot in this. And the blocking, and he'll walk to a different part of his cell, and the camera will move. It's incredible. It's incredible. And a lesser film, you'll feel bored, but because everyone's so talented at the top of their game for this entire movie, every everything's knocked out of the park. Yeah, it's yeah, one of the best. One of the best. Yeah. 
And again, if you want to see a lesser movie, just watch Hannibal and you see the drastic difference. Even though they got Hopkins back, they didn't get Jodie Foster. She, yeah. her and Jonathan Demi were at one point attached to come back and make that movie. Right. They both saw the script and were like, mm, nah, I don't think so. Jonathan Demi didn't like it because it was too gory and too lurid. And uh, they're just like, no, thanks. So, yeah, it was really just a perfect confluence to make a perfect movie. Yeah, even the supporting, I can't remember the character's name, but who played, you know, the the victim who gets kidnapped, Senator's daughter. She's incredibly heartbreaking. She is incredible. When her and Jodie Foster, she's like, don't you fucking leave me down here. I got to get out of here. I'm like, where is he? How the fuck would I know? It's like Jodie Foster's like, shut up. Just just shut up for a second. Be quiet. Somebody's coming for you. Nobody's coming when she just like fires that back. Man. Like, get me out yeah. of here. Lady. And then Mike, you brought it up. He's still walking around out there. Yep. He's still walking around out there. But leaving with the dog, that is, again, Jonathan Demi knows the human touch of. We had this whole story of her having the arc with Precious. She's going to be traumatized by this. Let's let this be real. Mm. She can't just walk out at the end and hug her mom and give like everybody a thumbs they up. They put a blanket clap. around her, right? Yep. No, she fucking grabs that dog, looks horrified. Somebody tries to take it from her and she's like, no, you get this feeling of like that woman's going to own Precious maybe for the rest wow. of her life now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not the dog's through. fault. You know, he didn't do no. anything or she. I think he broke his leg when he jumped, <laughs> mister. I, it's licking at it. Just give me my dog. I don't care. Even her threatening, like, I'll, I'll snap his it. neck. I'm like, I'll kill your what dog. What other things does she have? Yeah. Would she really yes. do that or was she just bluffing? Uh, she That's was bluffing. Thing. But That's again, Jacob, Jacob, you wake up naked dead, in a hole. Yeah. And imagine, do you know how angry I get when I skip lunch? Can you imagine if it's been days since I've eaten oh, yeah. because somebody's trying to make me a skin suit? I will be losing my temper like crazy. Well, again, it's such a smart plan to like tie that bone on the string to try to lure the dog in. Like I probably would not have thought of that. I'd just be like, no. well, I'm probably going to die here. So whatever. Yep. I'm just going to give up and sit And this she sees the the person who had clawed their fingernail. And they got the a camera the pulling up from the POV of the bucket. Yep. With the yeah. little lantern yeah. on it. Incredible. Uh, I would nice. give up immediately <laughs> if yeah. i was ever kidnapped by a serial killer i'd be like well guess guess on my life's over but yeah <laughs> i hope nobody ever puts a moth in my mouth <laughs> oh, oh man what's that? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah everybody knocked it out of the park every single yeah. thing about this is perfect like basically what a movie yeah thank you for recommending it colin having not seen it i recommend everybody who hasn't check it out because it's yeah it's awesome yeah it's like when people are like, oh, you know what's an easy uh, Halloween costume? I'll put on a jumpsuit and get a Michael Myers mask. Put on that jumpsuit and put on the mouth guard. Do a fucking slick back your hair. Like people right. will still get it. Have mm-hmm. someone push you around in a dolly the whole time. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. And a little <laughs> Two big eyes at a woman and ask her if you breastfed your daughter. <laughs> Man. What? <laughs> Did it make your nipples hard? Hell. What would it feel like when oh, she's boy. gone? <laughs> Man. But he, he just, just likes fucking with core people. He likes fucking yeah, with everybody. That's his thing. He does. It's his favorite. <laughs> he ordered the lamb, guys. The greatest mm-hmm. joke. We'll end it there. He ordered the lamb. Rare. Rare lamb chops, please. Mm-hmm. Has the screaming stopped, Clarice? Oh, has the screaming stopped? <laughs> well, the podcast is stopping here, Normies. There we go. That was our thoughts on um, The Silence of the Lambs. Like Jacob said, there's other uh, Hector Hector, Jesus mm. Christ. Hannibal Hector Lecter. Good old Hector Lecter. <laughs> Hector Lecter. <laughs> it's his Hannibal cousin. Lecter content. Check it out or whatever. Um, I don't think we'll ever cover the rest of it on Normies Like Us, but we're going to keep doing Spooktober episodes. We've we've got our back catalog here, but we're going to end it uh, right after Halloween with our annual Spooktober, where we'll Make talk about like 
all the Halloween stuff we've been consuming, the the spooky season, you know, uh, everything that's going on in spooky entertainment. Mm-hmm. And we've all been doing the 31 days of Spooktober movies, right? So we'll all have our list of movies and whatnot. We can talk we'll about that. We'll all have Silence of the Lambs on there. Yep, yep, yep. It's been a little bit of overlap, but a lot that's different. And it's been fun uh, going through that. So uh, tune in next week for uh, the last of the uh, Spooktober episodes, the Halloween Spooktacular, as it were. That's right. And uh, then we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program and getting back into Star then, Trek. Well, and all we that. L- no, we leave Spooktacular and we go into Thriller Vember. That's when we'll do the rest of. <laughs> yes, the yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Docusember. We'll just do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all documentaries. Go. All. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited to get back to uh, Star Trek. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's been yeah. a while, but uh, yeah. Spooky season, always good, and uh, having a lot of fun doing the 31. Thanks, Colin, again, for that being your kind of thing that you've always done that I've we both adopted for this uh, this year, and yeah. it's a good time. Hell yeah. I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners, we're loving you. At normies underscore like underscore us on all social media. Help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast. Uh, leave us a note. That uh, says, "Dear pen pal, writing to you in the Tattler." Is that what it is, Jacob? In, <laughs> yeah, in Red Dragon. Exactly. Uh, leave, leaving you a note in the Tattler here. Oh, is that who it is too? That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Stephen it's, Lang. Uh, and it's Stephen Lang in the original. That's yes, right. Yes, from That's Avatar right. fame. Wow. We'll see you soon. <laughs> um, yeah, leave us a note there and uh, tell us who you've been eating, or uh, leave us a personal ad or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, let us know what you've been enjoying for Spooky Season 2. And of course, check out our next episode, as we said. And uh, watch us on YouTube, babies. Heck That's yeah. right. Let's appreciate right. it. We've up. been your hosts. This is, uh, well, I got to stand up. I've got to tuck real quick and show <laughs> my dance. But this is uh, Buffalo Brooksy. All right, my Mike Reese Sterling, uh, FBI agent. <laughs> Quid pro quo. This is Dr. Jacob Lecter. Thanks, normies. I'll be eating you later. What did Mig say? (laughs) Eating you later. All right. Bye, normies. My name is Gandalf the Grey, and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. Fly, you fools.